listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Online at BethanyNaz.org. Week after week, to come here and talk about the Word of God with you. And um, I believe today is one of those days where God desires deeply to speak into our lives and to help us. I remember having a friend who was at the time in graduate school and, and he got this job and uh, the job was driving a, uh, a delivery truck for a florist. It was a little van that he drove and he would deliver flowers all over the city. And, uh, and his job, he loved it. He would talk to me about that he enjoyed delivering the flowers and it was a, a good paying job for graduate school. But he said, one day I'm delivering these flowers and I'm in this little van and, um, and, and he said, there's a car behind me that's honking the horn and, and flashing the lights and I'm looking in my rear view and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And finally the guy's rolling his window down and he's, he's motioning and, and I'm assuming at that moment that there's something wrong with my delivery van. Like maybe it's on fire or there's something that I can't see. Something's bad going on. And he keeps honking and flashing his lights and, and I really couldn't pull over. Finally I got to a place where I could. And he said, when I pulled over, by the time that I got out of my little truck, little van, he said, this guy was right up on me, and he had a piece of PVC pipe that was about this long, and he started hitting me with this piece of pipe. And I had no idea why this man was hitting me, and I was trying to shelter myself and put my arm up, and, and I finally said, what are, you, what are you doing? Why are you hitting me? And the guy said because you cut me off back there so it was road rage the guy was hitting him with a piece of pipe plastic pipe and he said the thing that came out of my mouth was no I didn't I wouldn't do that I'm a Christian and the guy who was hitting him with the pipe said wait a minute you're a Christian because I'm a Christian (laughs) to which my friend responds No, you're not, because if you were, you wouldn't be hitting me with that PVC pipe. So, anger is this huge deal for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. And the reason I believe it's a huge deal is because the Bible makes it a really big deal. The Bible makes it kind of this this big thing that you and I must give attention to. And so... We've been studying in the book of James, and James shifts from this conversation about times are hard, but God is good, and he begins to talk about the Word of God that has been planted in you, okay? So when he says Word of God, he's talking about um, the will of God, or the desire of God, or the plan that God has for you. You might say, well, I I thought maybe he was talking about like the Scriptures, the Old Testament. Absolutely. That's what he's talking about. Or you might say, I thought maybe he was talking about what Jesus said. Absolutely. That's what he's talking about. Everything that you can gather, James is talking about this, this Word of God, this living Word of God. He doesn't necessarily think in terms like we think, like, okay, here's the Word of God. This is the Word of God. James would say... Well, yes, I'm, I'm okay with that, but it's, 
It's the living word. It's beyond that. It's everything that God wants for you. It's everything that Jesus said. It's the gospel. It's the good news. At that time, they only had, of course, the Old Testament scriptures. It's Torah. It's all of those things. It's whatever God desires for you. Okay? And he says when it comes to the word of God about issues like anger or anything else, it's really important that you don't just listen to the Word of God, but that you do what the Word of God says. Whatever the will of God is, that you follow God's will, word, plan, desires for your life. And, and, and this is where James goes today. Here's what he says when it comes to anger. Um, uncontrolled anger and the will of God cannot coexist in your life. So, so you can have uncontrolled anger or you can have the will of God. But you cannot have both. They cannot coexist. Now, you, you may notice here that there is a word in front, uncontrolled. I didn't say anger and the will of God cannot coexist. There, there's a difference, okay? We're saying uncontrolled anger and the will of God cannot coexist in your life. You can have uncontrolled anger or you can have the will of God, but the two cannot exist at the same time in your heart. And so, James is trying to say that in the kingdom of God, there is a very different way to live. And it looks very unlike the kingdom of this world. We treat each other very differently in the kingdom of God than the people who are not in the kingdom of God treat each other. So let me take you to the Scripture, okay? So we're in James chapter 1, and only three verses, 19, 20, and 21. And here's what he says. Understand this, my brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak. Anybody already in trouble besides me? And slow to get angry. Why, James? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all filth and evil. Do you feel like that's a little strong? That kind of language when he talks about anger. Do you see where James is in the conversation? When I think about a person who lives with uncontrolled anger, James says, it, it's just like a person living with filth and evil. Get rid of all filth and evil in your lives. And humbly accept the Word, the will, the plan, the Scripture, the teachings of Jesus, the Word of God that has been planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. So this is God's Word for us today. 
You know, um, one of the things that I, I love to do is, um, is mow my yard. I don't, I don't get to be, I feel like, outside enough, and I grew up uh, living a lot of my life outside. And so uh, I'm not a very good golfer, but one of the reasons I think I love to play golf is because it gets me outside. I just love to be outdoors, especially when the temperature is 100 degrees. I love heat. I just can't get enough. If it's really hot, the sun's out. I want to be out in the sun. I love hot weather. I love mowing my lawn. I love just getting a good heavy workout by mowing the yard. But when I come in from mowing that yard, you don't want to hug me. I am a mess. And my clothes are a mess. And I'm just a mess. I'm just a sweaty mess. In fact, there is no way in the world that Annette would, would let me walk through the house in those clothes. Oh, no, no. They come off at the laundry room. You can't, you can't go through the house looking like and smelling like I do. You just you don't get to do that kind of thing. And so when James talks about anger, he goes to that analogy. And when he says get rid of, it's the same language that you would use in his day, the same language in the Greek, and it really just means like taking off clothes. That's, that's, that's the language that he uses. It's just, it's just, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to take all of that off. If you're following Jesus, you don't wear that anger stuff, that uncontrolled anger. You take it off. It's, it's filthy, he says. It's evil. You take it off, and it no longer gets to be a part of your life. Now, the reason that that's such a big deal to you and me today in the world that we live in is because anger has become the norm. I don't really want to talk about politics with anybody anymore. I'm just like you. I just hate all of the stuff. But it's become the norm. I, I wish somebody could inform all of these news channels. You're not helping us. You're not helping us as a society. There's, there's just all of this rage and all this anger and all these emotions. And you go to sports teams for kids and there's all this anger. And you go to school meetings and there's all this anger. And you drive your car and there's all this anger. And I guess I'm not aware enough when I'm driving because I get a lot of looks when I'm driving down the road. But anger has become the norm. And so you have people living 2,000 years ago. And the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of the world happens in their lifetime. God becomes man. And they embrace it and believe it. And want to become part of this new kingdom that God is establishing on earth. And believe with everything in them that Jesus has the power to forgive them of their sins. And make them right in their relationship with God. In spite of everything else they've been taught. And because they embrace that faith. 
They begin to hear stories of what is happening to their friends. Did you hear about Stephen? They took him out on the street the other day, out in the middle of the street, and they stoned him to death. They threw rocks into his skull. He died there. And under the cover of darkness, in the middle of the night, they leave the city. Get your families together. Get your kids. Get your mother-in-law. Get your father. Get everybody you can. Get them out of the city. Flee for your lives. They're going to kill you. And now they are hearing that they are looking for us. They actually have people who are going from city to city trying to find people who are followers of Jesus because they want to incarcerate you. And who knows what they're going to do after they put you in jail. It seems to me that if anybody has the right to be angry, it would be these people. And yet when James writes to them, he says, listen really close first and be really careful what you say and be very slow to let anger build in your heart. To these people, this is the counsel that James gives them. I grew up, um, and I remember one of my early teachers uh, told me that the Lord gave me two ears and one mouth for a reason. And, and her belief was that if I have two ears and only one mouth, I should probably just do the basic math and talk half as much as I listen. And so I remembered that for years and years. Um, she was calling me down because I was talking. And so she just said, Ricky... You know, you have two ears, but how many mouths do you have? Well, I have one. Okay, then you should listen twice as much as you talk. And so James kind of says to his listeners, let me, let me give you just some how-tos on dealing with this anger. And so that's how he starts. He says, you must all be quick to listen. Now, this became an issue in my life, and, uh, and, I, and I like to talk, and I'm a talker, and I can't help it. Uh, you know, um, unless I focus on it. So if I just do what I normally do, I just run my mouth way too much. And so I can make lots of excuses about that's how I am or that's how I'm made, but I do. I tend to talk a lot. I remember saying to my dad when I was, when I was a little boy, uh, Daddy, I said something I wish I hadn't said. I feel real bad about it. And my dad said, well, if you talk all the time like you do, at some point you're going to say something you wish you hadn't said. So you just got to talk less, you know. And James goes there next. He says, not only quick to listen, but you ought to be slow to speak. Now, I, I just don't think it's fair because I know people who are slow to speak, and I think that's just their nature, all right? I think they were just kind of born with a little different personality. They're a little slower to speak. I'm a little quicker to speak. And so I'm a little bit jealous that they have that already. They don't really have to work for it. They're just quicker to listen. They're slower to speak. Uh, one, one of the verses that I read this week that kind of stood out to me, and I think you will enjoy it. In fact, you might want to write it down. And it's found in the book of Proverbs. Uh, and here it is. 
It's chapter 10, verse 19. Too much talk leads to sin. I love the way the NLT translates the next line. Be sensible, be sensible rather, and keep your mouth shut. So how many of you are thinking right now, I would like to write that down and show it to a friend or two of mine? How many of you are feeling that way? I would love to pass this on to some folks. Too much talk leads to sin. So be sensible and just keep your mouth shut. And so what James does from there is he says, okay, this idea of being quick to listen, slow to speak, and finally he gets to this place and he says, and slow to become angry. Now, if you, if you look at this, what you begin to realize is that this and this is about this, okay? Being quick to listen and slow to speak is about the subject of anger. And so what he's doing here is he is not just kind of bringing up three different ideas. He is talking about in your life, when you confront these situations where you are tempted to become angry, there is a pattern that you should follow. First, you should listen really well. You should take in all of the facts and all of the information. The first thing you should not do is open your mouth. Okay? The first thing you should do is listen really really well and kind of think a bit and just kind of give it some time here and let it simmer just just pump the brakes for a few minutes you don't need to jump into this conversation you need to be quick to listen and then just very slow to speak don't talk until you really are sure that what you're going to say is going to be the right thing to say because you want to be slow to become angry you don't want to just jump in and kind of fly off the handle and just start saying stuff that you shouldn't be saying so that's that's where he's going with that kind of conversation. Now, I think when we do this, we kind of get to this place of saying, well, so anger is a bad thing, right? I mean, you don't want to get angry. Don't get angry, whatever you do. Getting angry is, is negative. Well, you can't jump there because the Word of God teaches us way more than two or three times that God became angry. And the Bible teaches us that more than once there's a reference to Jesus being angry. So I don't think you can just go to this place that says anger is just a sinful emotion. So if I stood up here today and I told you the story that I heard last week from a friend of mine who lives in another city who actually went and retrieved a young girl, a 17-year-old girl, that was being human trafficked. And basically told the guy who believed he owned her, I'm not leaving. You may kill me, but I'm not leaving here without her. And by the grace of God, he left with her. So when I think about this individual that sells this young girl for money, see, that makes me angry. And I think it should make us angry. And so I think there is this sense of a righteous anger. When I, when I think about a child being abused, I, I can have this emotion of anger. And I don't think it's wrong to have an emotion of anger. I think it would be wrong if I didn't sometimes have emotions of anger. 
So you say there's a righteous anger, then that means there's an unrighteous anger? Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's that clear cut. I suppose that if we're angry because, like, my, uh, my expectations were not met or because, uh, you know, my desires are not fulfilled or because you hurt my feelings, I guess there is more of a self-centeredness, you know, behind that anger. Less than 10 years ago, I learned some things about myself. I was reading an author that I like a lot, and sometimes I talk about him. His name is James Bryan Smith. And he defined anger in one of his books for me, and he says, Anger is a result of unmet expectations combined with fear. And I remember trying to work through this in my own head and apply it to my own life. And I tried to think back about those seasons of my life where my wife would say, you're not okay, are you? Something's wrong. You seem a little bit short with me and you don't seem all right. And I would say, well, I, I don't want to be short with you and I want to be all right, but yeah, I'm, I'm feeling something. To which I'm always grateful for Annette to do that. It helps me anytime think through my feelings or emotions. That's the way I'm wired not the way everybody's wired. But I begin to realize something about myself. I have an expectation, and then when that does not happen, there is disappointment. Sometimes that gets combined with fear. Okay, so this did not work out, which now means that this could possibly happen. So what if, oh man, you're kidding me. Or you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Now that means, and James Bryan Smith says it's the recipe that often, not always, but often, and it's not the only way you get there, but it's a way that we get there. It's a recipe that leads to anger. Now, I, I, I don't care if, if it's a, a righteous anger or that you hear of someone being abused and you get angry, or if somebody hurt your feelings, those feelings are still there. So what are you going to do with it, right? See, it does no good for a preacher to stand up on Sunday morning and say to himself and to you, you shouldn't feel that way. Well, I'm sorry, but I do feel that way. So what am I going to do with what I feel? And, and what James does is he does something similar to what Paul does. They talk about, what are you going to do with the feelings? And, and here's what Paul says in Ephesians. He says, and don't sin by letting anger. He, sa he doesn't say anger is sin. Okay, He says, don't sin by letting anger control you. In other words... What you do with those feelings becomes very, very important, become crucial. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. You don't just live in this state of anger, okay? For anger gives a foothold to the devil. When the devil gains his footing in your life and he can do it through anger, man, he can really advance on you. And so what James is doing is something similar to this. He is simply saying... You've got to be really slow on this truck called anger. You've got to be really 
quick to listen. You've got to gather all the data before you go flying off. You've got to hold your tongue before you say anything or do anything. And so Annette and I began raising a family, and we noticed that with these two little girls that God had put in our home who brought us so much joy, there was also just those everyday family struggles that you have with four people living in a house together. And we learned that, uh, that things could escalate, you know, and, and we didn't like that. We didn't want that in our lives, but it was a part of our lives. And we said, what are we going to do with this? And so we created this little process for our family that just said, at any point, you have a code word. And if you like, things are escalating, or maybe somebody's not being kind, or somebody's getting angry, you know, you just say the code word. And when you say the code word, nobody can talk for a minute. Nobody. Mom, Dad, Brittany, Morgan, nobody. Nobody gets to talk for one minute. Everything goes dead quiet. And I want you to know those little girls would use that word on me when I was trying to get after them, you know. <laughs> and so sure enough, I would go quiet for a minute. But it just... Do you know what we did? We became quick to listen. Because the first thing you start replaying in your head is everything that was just said. Okay, just kind of go through this a little bit. The, the, the first few seconds you might be very defensive. But a minute's a long time to not be able to talk. Especially when you're feeling all this tension. And, and the speaking just stopped. And, and most always, the first words out of the person's mouth was, I see what you meant. I understand. And it just kind of made it go away. It was very helpful for us. But it was really only the Word of God being applied. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. So that's the... That's kind of the, the how-to. Here's what you do with this. And so the verse where it's like taking off your dirty clothes, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the Word that God has planted. Humbly accept God's will, God's plan, God's desire, what you read in the Scriptures, what Jesus said, the Gospel, the good news, everything that God is about. Accept that in your lives. It's been planted in your hearts. Let that grow. It has the power to save your soul. And, and when it comes down to it, it's about making a choice not only every day, but in every situation. So here's, here's what it always comes down to. And it's simply this. So who is going to determine what my life looks like? Do I decide or does God decide? Who determines my behavior? Do I decide or does God decide? Whose will gets done? Is it God's will or my will? That's what it always comes down to. And here, it is no different. So you may say, Rick, years ago I surrendered my life to Jesus. I became a follower. I'm a Christian. I go to church every week. 
But there's an area of my life that I have reserved to do what I want to do. And sometimes I just want to let people know I'm angry. So if you're if you're thinking to yourself, you know, I'm I'm a person who struggles here. I uh I deal with this. And if I had to be totally honest this morning, Rick, I, I would have to tell you that I, I hate the way I behave. I hate the way I sometimes treat my spouse or my kids or family members or friends. I, 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 don't, I don't imagine I'm much of a joy to be around when I'm like this. Is there, is there hope for me in this? Of course there's hope. There's Jesus. Now, what you and I would like is that. Just fix me. God, do that deal, whatever it is that you do over me, and just make it all go away. It's interesting to me that James didn't just say, be ye fixed. You know what he said? Learn this process. Practice this discipline. Do you know what? God has done this in your life. That's what makes the discipline possible. There has been instant change. That's what makes progress a reality. And he says, begin to practice this. Gain hold of this discipline. Listen really well. And shut up for a change. And if you get on that truck that's called anger, you, you make sure it's a slow-moving ride. And so one author just says, I ask myself, is this worth my time and attention? You know, should I, even be, should I even be living with this in my head? If not, give it to God, pray. You know, should I? Should I what? You know, is this, is this something I can control or I can change? If not, you know. So, so here's, here's the dream. Look at this. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So, so you can say, that's a, that's a negative sentence. Human anger does not. Or, or you can say, that's a positive sentence. Because that means that controlled anger does produce the righteousness God desires. And so just dream with me. For, what if? What if? What if in your own life today, in, in, in a struggle that you have, that, that you're realizing in this moment, that you can have the righteousness that God desires for you to have? That if I reach up by the grace of God and ask Him for His help, and I begin to go through this process, that, that I can honor God and be a faithful witness. I don't have to live 
like I'm living any longer. Amen. That was weak. But maybe you were just thinking, or maybe you're just thinking about coffee. So why don't we bow our heads together, okay? And why don't we just pray a prayer together? A soul-searching kind of prayer. God, search my heart this morning. Maybe if you just said this to the Lord. Lord, are these words I need to hear? Are these words that apply to me? And if they apply to you, then just, I think it's great for us to pray for grace. God, help me to do what the Word says. Not just listen, but do what it says. Help me to begin to take on this discipline, this practice. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.